Well, hey, good morning, church. Man, I miss y'all every time I step into this room and you're not with me in front of me physically. Man, it's, it's uh, ah, I can't wait for the day when we get to gather again uh, in person physically. Uh, man, I'm so glad, though, that you're joining us here today. Thanks for worshiping with us. We are continuing part number three of Tomorrowland, uh, our series in First and Second Thessalonians. Uh, the subtitle is Facing a future without fear, because we find ourselves in crazy, uncertain times. As Paul was writing to them, they were living in uncertain times. Now, a little different than us, okay? They weren't dealing with a, a virus um, that was going global, but they were dealing with affliction because of their allegiance to King Jesus. And so Paul writes First and Second Thessalonians to remind them that in the midst of their uncertainty, they had a certain hope in a certain Savior, and his name was Jesus Christ, and he was returning soon. And so Paul is writing this letter, or these two letters to these believers to encourage them and assure them of the certain hope that they had in uncertain times. And because of that, they could face a future without fear. And that's what we're talking about. And I want to remind you of a quote. Maybe you've heard it or read it before. I love this quote by Corey Ten Boom. She said, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Here's the reality that we have to keep coming back to over and over again, is that though our future is unknown, we have a God that we know and who knows us, who knows the future. And nothing that we have experienced up to this point and nothing we will experience in the days ahead are taking him by surprise. There is nothing that is unknown to the all-seeing eyes of a, an all-knowing, good, gracious, powerful God. So what Paul is doing is he is writing to these Thessalonians. He helped establish this church. He had poured into and invested the word of God into them. He, he sounds like a pastor today writing to or communicating with this, this group of people, his congregation that he loves, but that he hasn't seen face to face in a while. Okay, this is I relate very much to this. It's been a month, y'all, since I've seen you in person and it's killing me. And starting in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse number 17, Paul says, For since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face, because we wanted to come to you. I, Paul, again and again, but Corona, excuse me, Satan hindered us. <laughs> All right, you catch that? Chapter 3, verse number 1, he says, Therefore, when we could... Bear it no longer. We were willing to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith that no one be moved by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction just as it has come to pass. And just as you know, for this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. So again, Paul's writing and says, man, I cannot wait to see you again. I can't wait to see you face to face. But the enemy that is at work, he is, he's hindered us from coming. And so finally, when I couldn't stand it any longer, I sent Timothy 
to our coworker in the gospel of Christ. I sent him to check in on you and to see how you're doing, to establish and exhort you in your faith. And catch this. He said this, and this is so important in verse number three of chapter three. He says that no one be moved by these afflictions. So, so Paul's saying, I know there's all this stuff going on, but don't be moved by these afflictions. I know there's so much stuff going on, but, but here's why I sent Timothy. I want to make sure that, that, that you are established and rooted in Christ in your faith. And here's the reality. When it comes to affliction, affliction and suffering always presents us with, with two, two opportunities. One is to pull near and one is to push away. I, I mean, think about it. If, if you're married, Surely you've experienced this when it comes to affliction in life, which will come at you in your marriage relationship. Either you and your spouse will pull near to one another. You'll draw closer and become stronger or you will be tempted to push away and to move away and to grow more distant. And this, this happens in our faith, too, in our, faith, our relationship with God. When we go through affliction, either we'll allow it to pull us near to God or we'll push away. And Paul writes to them, and we won't read these next few verses, chapter 3, verses 6 to 10. But in essence, what Paul does is he repeats himself and he says, man, y'all, I feel good about where y'all are at in your faith. I feel good about what you're doing and where you're at. But I want to make sure, I want to make sure that you're rooted in Christ so that you don't fall away amidst affliction. And this is the heart of Paul for his people. This is the heart of a pastor for his people. This is my heart for you, friendship, that in this time, we would pull near to God and not push away. And so the title of this sermon today is Pleasing God Amidst Affliction. And here's how we're going to divide up this broad passage of Scripture. Uh, really two big parts we're going to divide it into. Paul says, here's what I'm praying the Lord will do in you. And then the second part is, here's what I'm pleading you will do in the Lord. You know, as we, as we find ourselves in this season, I know a lot of us, we have a lot of questions and and we begin to wonder about the future and where is this going? And we begin to hear more stories and read more things and hear more data and see more statistics and timelines change and shift. And, and, and it causes us to ask the question over and over, like, Lord, how, how long is this going to go on? How long will this last? What's, what's going to happen next? How is this going to continue to affect our world and our country and our state and our county and my family and my life? Like, where is this going, Lord? And that is the question that I think for, for many of us, the longer this stretches out, the more questions we have about this. But, but here's what, what, what Paul begins to talk about here. There's better questions to ask and there's better things that we need to focus on. So Paul says, in the midst of your affliction, here is part one. Here's what I'm praying the Lord will do in you. So look with me at chapter three, starting in verse number 11. This is a really simple but really powerful prayer that Paul is praying. Now, may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you. 
so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. This is God's work. It's on him, he says. I'm praying that the Lord will make you increase, that the Lord will help you to keep growing in, in your love for one another and in your holiness of heart. This is, these are two big prayers. God, help, help these people to keep growing in, the, in their love for each other and in their holiness. And that is his prayer because this is God's work. But then he moves on to part two. And this is where we're going to spend most of our time. He says, here's what I'm pleading that you will do in the Lord. And so not just, not just saying this is, this is on God, but he says, this is on you, y'all. This is on you. There's a part that you and I play in this. He works in you and now you got to work it out. He works in you. Now you got to work it out. And so Paul is pleading that they will do some things. Chapter four, this first two verses. Paul says, finally, then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus We've taught you already. I know you know this because we've taught this to you. And God himself has, has taught you this, how to walk and to please God. And you're doing it. You're doing it. But what Paul says is keep doing it. Keep going more and more and more. And so there's four things that he's pleading with them to do. The first thing is this. Keep growing in your faith. Keep growing in your faith. Keep going, keep going more and more and more. He says in, in, in verse number three, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. You know, as followers of Jesus, one of the things that, you know, if you have been following Jesus for any length of time, one of the, the, the phrases that we learn is, is the will of God. And, and one of the questions we develop is, what is the will of God for my life? What is God's desire for my life? And that's a great question because it's, it's, it's wanting to know God's desire for you. But let me say this, there's so many places where God ex explicitly says in scripture, this is my will, this is what I want for you. And here's one such place where Paul says, verse three again, this is the will of God. This is what God wants for you in your life, your sanctification. Your sanctification. And I've used this word before. It's a, it's a Bible word that we don't use often in 2020. But sanctification, to sanctify means to set apart. And so here's the reality of what's happened. If you have put your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord of your life, when you put your faith in him, you were positionally before God. You were sanctified. You were set apart from the world, from this former life that you led. And you were set apart from the world to God. And so positionally, you are in Christ and you are set apart. You are sanctified. It's a work that only God can do. However, there is this practical aspect of sanctification. And it is this process, this lifelong process of you and I increasingly growing, set apart from the world, from our former life and to God. We are, we are growing spiritually in our faith and in our likeness to Jesus Christ, sanctification is this lifelong process of growing in our faith. 
And Paul says, this is the will of God for you. And so, y'all, for us, the application today is this. God's will for your life in this season, in this moment, is for your faith to continue to increase. For you to grow more and more in your faith and not to grow stagnant. Okay, think of it this way. Um, one of my sons, one of my boys, Aiden, this week, as he was outside in the incredible weather that we had this week, there was this, this little bucket um, that you know, we, we've had um, used at the beach and for different things. I think my daughter, Blakeney, was playing with it at some point where she had dirt and you know, like blades of grass and just like junk from outside in this, this bucket. And you know, as it rained this week, it, it, it filled this bucket with water. And so you had this, this water that was kind of standing and all this muck for several days. And, you know, Aiden went out to get this bucket and uh, to do something with it. And it was just like, oh, this, this stinks. It's nasty. It's just been like this sitting, this water's been standing here for a while. And, if, if, and, and you, you know what I'm talking about, how, how standing water can get. And it just is like this, this nasty little cesspool, you know, that's just been sitting there. It's stagnant. And this is a picture of what happens for, for many of us in moments and seasons of our life where our faith gets like that. It gets stagnant as opposed to like, like a river, a water that's moving and it's flowing and it's, 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 it's on the move and it's not just sitting still. And for some of us, for days and weeks and months and maybe even years, we do nothing with our faith and it's, it sits in neutral and it's, it stagnates and it gets nasty because it never moves and it never grows. And y'all, the temptation for us in the season that we're in is to just like park it in, in neutral and, and to sit still in our faith and to spend all of our time wondering and waiting for this stuff to end. And God says, no, 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 no. In this season, keep growing in your faith. Keep increasing. I keep becoming more and more like Jesus. Don't, don't spend your time just spinning your wheels and letting your faith grow stagnant. No, no, no. My desire for you is for you to keep growing in your faith so that whenever this season ends, you don't look the same as you did weeks and months ago. But no, you look more like my son, that your faith has increased and not decreased, that you have drawn nearer and not pushed away. And so Paul, as he's pleading with the people, he, he pleads, keep growing in your faith because this is the will of God for you. And so ask yourself the question. This is a great question to ask yourself right now, today, and in any season of your life. The question is this, God, how can I grow in this place where you have planted me? How can I grow right here, right now, where you have planted me? It would be a mistake for us to go, well, I'm going to grow in my faith, or I'm going to grow later when I get out of the season, after God gets me out of this. Because, y'all, you need to know this, is that our faith grows deepest in the soil of suffering. Our faith, if we will allow it to, if we will draw near to God, our faith grows deepest in the soil of suffering and affliction. 
because this is an opportunity for us to dig our roots deep into Christ and depend on him in the midst of a world that's, that's paralyzed, that's gripped by fear and paranoia. And y'all, that stuff is real. I'm not discounting all of that. But we've got to, in this season of adversity and suffering, we've got to dig our, our roots deeper into Christ, who is unmovable, who is our rock. And so keep growing in your faith. That's the first thing that Paul is pleading. The second thing that Paul says to us is to keep your body under control. Look with me at chapter 4, verses 3 to 8. Paul says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. Verse 7, For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, Whoever disregards this disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Paul pleads with the Thessalonians, keep your body under control. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. We came out of a series in February called Sex in a Broken World. And so I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but, but part of sanctification, being set apart from the world and to God, is, is how we how we control our, our physical body and our physical appetites. And, and Paul goes directly to sexual immorality. And he says, God hasn't called us to, to impurity, but he's called us to holiness. And so don't give yourselves over to the lusts of your, of your, your body like, like the world, like the Gentiles, like those who don't know God. No, that's not what God has called you to. And when you and I, he says, when we disregard this command, when we disregard that command, we are in essence disregarding the Holy Spirit that God has given us, that God has put within us. Maybe you've heard this phrase or used this. Maybe you, know, you had a grand, grandmother or somebody who used this phrase. Finish, finish the phrase if you know it. Idle hands are the devil's workshop. Idle hands are the devil's workshop. In other words, when we're idle, when we have nothing else to do, when we're bored, guess what? We do dumb things, right? When we have nothing better to do, we, we tend to gravitate towards doing sinful things. And my, 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 my concern for some of us, especially you fellas, is that you have all this time on your hands and you're not doing healthy, holy things with that time. And what happens is idle hands are the devil's workshop. And so let me encourage you in this season that you find yourself in, don't, don't let your downtime become Satan take you down time. Okay, so here is a, here's a formula for disaster. You want a formula for disaster? Here it is. External, external, external suffering, external affliction, plus internal sin equals a total mess. Okay, all of us are facing external or outward affliction, but if you add to that internal sin, you start, you start lusting and diving into stuff that causes you to sin, so you add you add to external affliction, internal sin, man, you've got a total mess on your hand. You've buried yourself further in, in this hole of darkness and despair and sin because not only is all this affliction going on around you, 
but now you have brought sin into your heart. And so you're going to continue to spiral downward. And so Paul pleads with them, keep your body under control. This isn't what God called you to. This isn't what God called you to. He's called you to holiness. We can't keep growing in our faith if, if, if all we do is, is, is bury ourselves in sin. We've got we've to, we, and we can't just say, go away, bad thoughts. We've got to give our thoughts to Christ, allow him to take those thoughts captive and replace those evil thoughts with holy thoughts and to replace evil actions with holy actions. And I'm not saying, hey, just go do Netflix or something that's better or more constructive. No, replace the evil thoughts and the evil actions with holy and righteous thoughts and holy and righteous actions. Listen, y'all, this is the time to, to be praying and to be on your knees more and to be bearing your nose in the book, in God's word, more and more, not less. And so keep your body under control. Replace those evil thoughts and actions with holy and righteous thoughts. Now, the third thing Paul pleads with them, he, he moves from lust, and then he moves to the subject of love. And he says this, keep loving one another more and more. Chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, and Paul says this, now, concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another, for that indeed is what you're doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, do this more and more. Do this more and more. Keep loving one another more and more. So the Thessalonians, they, they distinguished themselves by the way that they loved others by the way that they loved all the Christians in Macedonia. And Paul says, I don't need to tell you this. God has already shown you this, and we've instructed you in this already, how to love one another. And you all are doing it. You all are doing it. But here's what I'm urging you. Keep doing it more and more. Don't let up. There, there, there's no finish line. There's no ending point where we've finally arrived, where we can say, well, you know what? We've loved our brothers enough. We can stop. Paul says, keep going. He, he, I'm praying that God would increase your love for one another. And now I'm, I'm pleading with you. Keep going. Don't let up. Do it more and more. Keep going. And y'all, I know I keep saying this week to week, and I'm going to keep saying it. But the way that we please God in this season is by loving our brothers, by loving others. And I know Y'all, I know it's getting harder and harder the more physically distanced we are from one another. But we can't allow that to, 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 to cause us to stop or to pull up as if, okay, well, because I can't be physically connected to people in, in person, I can stop loving. Or we've done all that we can. We've got to wait till this thing is over. We've got to ride it out. No, no. We've, we've got to do it more and more and more. We've got to keep increasing in our love for one another. You know, the reality is, is the more isolated we get from one another, the more inclined we're going to be to pull away and to stop reaching out and to stop loving and to kind of turn inward and push away from others. But we can't do that, y'all. 
what we've got to do if we're going to please God, if we're going to grow in our faith in the season, we've got to lean into and we've got to step forward into as awkward it is, as it is. We're all figuring this out, but we've got to we've got to keep growing in our love for one another. We can't let isolation isolate us from loving each other. The, the love one another, the the. The, the one another is throughout scripture. There's, there's no time where we're allowed to put that on pause or say, well, we don't have to do that right now. No, it's always the expectation of someone who's walking and with God and pleasing God is that we love our brothers. We love one another. And so how do we do that right now? I mean, there, there's some simple ways. And, and I know we're, again, trying to figure this out. But here's, here's a big way is pray for one another. Pray for each other as God brings other people to your mind. Pause and pray and, 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 and ask the Lord to be with them and to strengthen them and to grow them. Reach out to people. Again, as God brings people to mind, reach out, check up, check up, check up on them. Send them a text message. Send them a, a message, you know, a phone call. I know some of us haven't made a phone call in forever. Call people, check ups, just say, hey, how are y'all doing? How's your family doing? How are the kids dealing with this? Is there anything y'all need? Offer yourself up. Is there something I can do to help y'all? Is there some, some way that I can serve you? Be willing to listen, but just checking in on people. In fact, I would encourage you to do this. I know some of our, our deacons and leadership have been practicing this, and I want to encourage you to do that, to do this this week. Three people. Uh, just throughout this week, as God brings to mind three people, reach out, intentionally reach out to people and just say, hey, I've just been thinking about you. God brought you to mind. How are y'all doing? Is there anything I can do for you? Man, I'm thinking of you. I'm praying for you intentionally. Three people. And when somebody reaches out to you, don't go, oh, well, they, they're doing that because Pastor Andrew put them up to that. No, receive that and be blessed by that and then pass it on. You begin to reach out to three others with the intention of, God, I want to grow in my faith in this season and I want to keep loving one another more and more and more because this is the thing, like the Thessalonians, this is the thing that's going to distinguish us apart. This is the thing that's going to set us apart from the world unto God is by how we love one another. In fact, Jesus says this is the mark of Christ followers in John 13 verses 34 and 35 he says a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you you also are to love one another by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another and so Paul is pleading with the Thessalonians and I'm pleading with us keep growing in your faith keep your body under control Keep loving one another more and more. And then this fourth and final thing, keep your head down. Keep your head down. And this is, this is a phrase that, that came to mind. And let me give you some, some synonyms for this, this phrase, keep your head down. It means to continue, to go on, to follow through, to persist, to press ahead, to persevere, to carry on, to stay the course, to keep going, to keep pushing ahead, keep your head down. Here, here's what he says in verses 11 and 12. Paul says, and to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs 
and to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. One commentary says it this way, and I love it. it, it it's, this, is, this is about the life that speaks to outsiders. The life that speaks to outsiders. He says, live quietly and mind your own business and work hard. Live quietly and mind your own business and work hard. Live quietly. It's not seeking to be heard. It's not seeking to be in the spotlight or in the limelight. It's, it's living quietly. And God throughout scripture praises this quiet spirit, which is, it means it's, it's, there, there's a, a sense of calm, a sense of, 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 of peacefulness, of being at rest. This is a quiet spirit that God honors. And he says, live quietly. Don't live and have this, this spirit and mouth and lifestyle that is loud and is brash and that, that is frantic and hectic. But live quietly and mind your own business. Not inserting your opinions, not speaking your mind on everything, which is the American way, amen? No, he says, mind your own business, take care of your own stuff, and then work hard. Work to support yourself and not be dependent on others as much as is possible. Paul says, keep your head down. You know, in 2020, sometimes, oftentimes, the way that we think the, the, the way that we're going to be heard is by speaking louder or more boldly or more dramatically. If we can just cause a scene and be noticed, we'll be heard. And Paul says the opposite. He says a life that speaks to him is a life that is lived quietly, minding your own business and working hard. Now, this doesn't mean keep to yourself. This doesn't mean to isolate yourself. This doesn't mean live as a, a hermit, okay? Do your own thing and just separate yourselves, okay? And I'm speaking to the hardcore introverts, right? Uh, of which I am, I'm not a hardcore introvert, but I am introverted. No, no, Paul is combining these thoughts. He says, love your brother and aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands. He says, then, verse 12, then you will be walking properly before outsiders. Then your life will speak to them. And so here's the encouragement this morning. Keep growing in your faith. Keep your body under control. Keep loving one another more and more and keep your head down. Do the stuff that God has called you to do. Live quietly and mind your own affairs. Take care of your business. Take care of your stuff and work hard. Keep doing those things. Don't shut down, okay? Don't stop everything. I know that the world, in a sense, is, has, has hit a a halt has stopped, is on pause, but that doesn't mean you stop doing the things that God has called you to do. Keep living a quiet life. Keep working hard. Keep taking care of your own affairs and your own business. Don't stop. Keep moving along as much as you are able to, because that is the kind of life that will speak to those outside of Christ. And these are the things that Paul is pleading with us to do. You know, I've been, 
I've been seeing on social media over these last couple weeks about making use of, of all this newfound time that we have on our, our hands, for, for at least for many of us, to, to not waste this, all of this time that we have. And I, I agree, this time in a, a weird kind of way can, can really serve as a gift from God. Uh, for some of us to be able to slow down and to be more present, to be with our family, and it's forcing us to do some of those things. And it, if we would approach it rightly, this can be a gift from God to us. But this, this does not mean that, you know, in order to not waste this time, that, you know, you need to develop some remarkable new hobby, or you got to, you know, write a book during this time in order to not waste it, or you need to develop some new creative, you know, amazing things to do with your kids in order to not waste the time, or you've got to just do something amazing. No, that, you don't have to do that in order to, to redeem this time. Here's, here's what I would submit to you. Here's what I would suggest. The best way for you and for me to not waste this time, but to actually make the most of this time that God has given us is to change the question we're asking from God, how long is this going to last? How long will this go on? To that question I posed to you earlier, God, how can I, how can I please you in this season? God, how can I grow in this time that you've given me? How can I become more like Christ? How can I grow in my faith? That we wouldn't just survive this season, but we would thrive in this season. The, the bottom line that I want to say this morning is don't waste this crisis by not growing in Christ. Don't waste this crisis by not growing in Christ. The goal should be not for us to to endure and to get through the season to the other side. But the goal should be, as in all of life, as in every season of our life, is how do I emerge from this chapter of my life more and more like Christ? How can I grow in Christ-likeness through this? And if you and I would position ourselves, if we would posture ourselves in this time, Listen, that is a very real time of crisis. That is a very real time of affliction in our world. Don't ignore all of that. But if we would posture ourselves in this season and say, God, no matter what happens, no matter what goes on, no matter what goes on around me, no matter what goes on in, even in my life and in my family physically, God, whatever you do in this season, I want to emerge from this time whether in life or in death, God, I want to be more like Christ because I know that your will for my life is my sanctification. And so God, would you use this time to do that? Can I pray for y'all? God, thank you for your goodness and your grace to us today. God, thank you that we can trust an unknown future to you a known God that, that you know us and we can know you. And that is the privilege of, of, of being in relationship with you is, is more than anything else that you know us, you know our hearts and you know every care that we face. God, and not only do you know us, but you have given us the opportunity to know 
you. And God, I'm so grateful that in the midst of all of this uncertainty, we can be certain of our hope in Christ, in a future that is secure in Christ as part of your family, as part of your kingdom. And Lord, I pray that you would help us as your people. Lord, I'm, I'm praying that you would help us to increase in our love for others and for all more and more. God, that you would help us to increase and to grow in our holiness before you. That's what I'm praying for every single person that's listening or watching today. I'm praying for, your, for our entire friendship family. I'm praying for, for me and for my life and for my family. God, that you would increase us in our love for one another and in our holiness. And now, God, I'm, uh, I'm praying that you would help us all not to waste this crisis, but help us as individuals, as families, as the body of Christ here at Friendship and all around the world, the global universal body of Christ, God, would you help us to grow in Christ so that as we weather this storm, we would be able to come out on the other side more conformed to the image of Christ, more honoring to you because of our holiness before you. God, that outsiders would be able to look in at our life. God, it would be a life that would speak loud and clear to them of the hope that we have in Christ. Lord, as we approach this holy week, as we approach Easter Sunday, I pray that you would do something remarkable in our people and in our county. God, that you would draw many, many people here and around the world to Christ in the midst of affliction, in the midst of this season. And so God, would you do what only you can do, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. And all of God's people said, Amen.